Welcome to episode one in the first series of the Active Growth Podcast. The topic of this first series is forget traffic. Take a moment to think about your online business and your business model and ask yourself, is getting more traffic important for your business? Is that one of your high priority goals? If it is, then sit tight because this series is going to be very valuable for you. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how almost all online businesses are skewed towards traffic. There's always this priority on traffic. Everybody wants more traffic. We're going to talk about why this happened, why this is actually an echo of some older stuff that happened a few years ago, and why this is a real problem. We will also talk about how various business models like affiliate marketing, YouTube, Instagram, other platforms like that, are plagued by this problem and perpetuate this problem. And we'll talk about why this happens and what the problem is. But of course, we will also talk about the solution. Because what we're offering here and why we advocate to forget about traffic is because there is a way to shortcut your way past some of the most time-consuming and most difficult steps in building an online business implement this and you can get much more valuable insights about what your market needs and you can even get your first customers and your first members and start building a business before you actually need to focus on getting traffic for this episode you can go to activegrowth.com forward slash one to get the show notes links to all of the resources we mentioned during the episode and you can also download a pdf checklist that walks you through this process this shortcut that we're talking about in this episode so that's activegrowth.com forward slash one and with that said let's head right into the episode hello i'm shane malach and i'm hannah vervaak and this is, like I said, the Active Growth Podcast. Let's launch right into this and let's talk about why are we talking about traffic generation? Why are we telling you to forget about traffic generation? Because that isn't the most important thing in an online business. Right. That's what most people would think, right? And in fact, it's one of those things where I bet you that if you went to pretty much any site in the online marketing space that has a large audience, right? Think of your... Um, you know, quick sprout, smart passive income, and it goes somewhere where there's a large online marketing interested audience. I put a survey or a poll on that website, ask people, what is your biggest problem? What's the thing that you need to make your business work? I bet you that the number one answer is going to be, I need more traffic. And the number one problem is I don't have enough traffic. Of course, that's not a very daring bet of me to do this because we have run many polls and surveys asking such questions. And this always tends to be the top or one of the top answers, right? It's, it's always people are always talking about and thinking about if only I had more traffic. Well, I have to say it seems like a logical thing to think about because if you have 1,000 people or 100,000 people coming to your website rather than 10 people, that should fix all the problems, right? For sure, yeah. We all know that traffic is basically infinitely scalable almost right we're all aware that some websites get just unbelievable amounts of traffic millions and millions of visitors and it's easy to think especially if you've got something you know maybe you've got a, a website that makes ten dollars fifty dollars or something a month then it's easy to say well if i had millions of visitors if i could just multiply this result by hundreds or thousands then i could go and retire on a beach somewhere and 
I think that's one of the reasons why we tend to focus on traffic. We want more traffic. I think there's also another reason. I think that this is a bit of a relic of past years in online marketing because, well, and I was, I was part of this not too long ago, actually, a few years ago, a fairly viable strategy to make money online was to do the kind of mini site, niche site thing, uh, where the approach would be you, you pick out some, some keyword, right? You build a website around this keyword and it can be a really simple website and you throw some backlinks at it, right? Maybe you pay for some backlink spamming service or something. And, and essentially what you do is you just try to get more traffic. You just try to get more clicks to your site. And then you've got some affiliate links or some ads on your site. And two things. So first of all, like I said, I'm kind of uh, guilty as charged here. I used to do this as well. Um, and to give you an example of how extreme this can be, like I had a website about paralegal training and I actually don't know exactly what a paralegal is or what they do. But I had a website about it on which I didn't write a single word. Uh, I simply paid for some very cheap content filled with keywords. And for this website, and I had AdSense on it, for this website, the only criteria was, well, there's a bunch of keywords around paralegal something. And the higher I rank for these keywords, the more traffic comes to the site and the more money I make. So there, it makes sense. Just more traffic equals more money. Well, you were actually smarter than I was because my first money online also came from a niche website, but I decided to do everything myself and to actually right. go into a website where I thought that I liked the topic and put Amazon affiliate links on there. But yeah, it was the same principle, right? Put on content, have yeah. people find it through search traffic and then make money. Exactly. The simple truth is that, so this was valid this was a valid way to look at your business at some point and the valid thing to think was well if i just kind of open the taps further if i just get more keywords ranking more clicks that equals more money however that is simply not the case anymore you cannot like there's no way i could now build a paralegal website without you know without doing any research on this topic and and just pay someone five dollars an article to, to fill it up with content and get anywhere with that it just doesn't work anymore well google became a bit smarter right <laughs> exactly yes google kind of wised up to this but the problem is we still have like these stories right we still know about you know the, the cowboys in the wild west of the internet who did this kind of thing and so that kind of perpetuates we think well i want to do that i want to i heard this guy did that five years ago i want to do that now Unfortunately, that doesn't work. And, and so th there was this niche side boom a few years ago. And I think we were still hearing the echoes of that boom, which leads to people overrating the importance of traffic. And I guess it's also something that's kind of, it's the easiest way to kind of measure, uh, you know, you install any analytics program, it instantly shows you how much traffic you get. That's the first thing it shows you. So it's an easy thing to kind of uh, understand I get more visitors. It's an easy thing to be envious of. Someone else gets more visitors. It's an easy thing to measure. And I think all of these things combined lead to an overrating of the importance of traffic. Everybody seems to be obsessed with traffic. And we let it distract us from what really matters. This series of episodes is called Forget Traffic. <laughs> We're literally telling you, forget about traffic. So I'm not going to tell you um, you know, it's not that important or 
this is not you know I'm I'm, re I'm pretty extreme in this and I want to tell you that I'm I'm totally serious about this. I have a couple of websites. I have I have two main websites and businesses online: Active Growth and Thrive Themes. And I actually can't tell you how much traffic these sites get. And I'm serious about that. It's because look, I I spend quite a lot of time looking at various analytics and and data and split test results and things like that. But one thing that I never look at in analytics is the traffic. I simply don't care. Traffic is not one of the key performance indicators in our business. It's not something and and Hannah, you're the you're the head of the marketing team at Thrive Themes. Have I ever asked you to get more traffic or have I ever asked you about how much traffic we have? Nope. <laughs> Right. So this is how serious I'm. I, I'm literally totally uninterested in traffic. And I'm going to tell you how that's possible that we're still, you know, that this still works. So we have a working business, even though we don't care about traffic. So I think there's you talked about the niche boom site a few years ago, but I think we can still see some examples today online of the chasing traffic rather than having another valid strategy in place for an online business. Because the difference is that now it's more on social media, right? So the thing is, you can still think about building an online business and being like, I will build up a YouTube channel and I will put advertising on my YouTube channel and I will earn like 10 cents a click for an advertisement on every video. So if I just make 100,000 videos, I might be able to make a living out of YouTube, right? Or the same is happening today with Instagram. Like this is a discussion that I had very recently with somebody who wanted to start an online business. And I asked her what she was planning to do. And she told me like, I'm planning to build my Instagram following, which you might have... Like, maybe you can imagine my face at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, okay, explain me exactly what you are going to do. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to build up my Instagram following. And so I, I read that once I get over 5,000 followers or 10,000, I don't even know anymore. Uh, then actually I can go to brands and brands will pay me to put an Instagram post on my profile. And so it's like... 20 to 50 dollars or something that a brand would pay you to have a post on your instagram account for that number mm. of, of visitors and this would be like oh look at my new handbag and it's yeah like... it's like oh see my sports shoes or my new yoga pants or um yeah something like that so like product, product placement, placement. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> product placement on instagram but then again it's like wow you just build up a whole Instagram following for weeks and weeks and months. And then you can have maybe what, I don't know, five sponsored posts in a month because you don't want to scare away your your audience, right? You cannot put that just like publicity every day on that account. Uh, so it's like you pay to earn $100 with your account. You just spend months and months. It's, it's, it's still not a very viable thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also, it's kind of deceptively simple, right? Because it's like, well, uh, I, you already use Instagram, perhaps. And you've already like you, you have an idea of again, like, okay, I have followers, if I get more followers, I can get paid. And then you see some Instagram accounts with like millions of followers. And you're like, well, they're, you know, they're making out like bandits. Why can't that be me? 
I think it's this kind of it's kind of an easy thing to grasp. Mm. Um, I'm seeing the same thing uh, more on YouTube um, because I'm personally, you know, I use YouTube. I don't use Instagram. <laughs> but there's the same thing that the, the idea of, you know, it's a very appealing idea. Oh, there's, there's some guys who are just playing video games and recording themselves playing video games on YouTube. And they, they have millions of views and they make a ton of money. Like, why can't I do that? I can play video games, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, it's a very appealing idea. But it also, I think a problem with it is also that because the barrier of entry is so low, um, you know, taking pictures, putting them on Instagram, recording video of of yourself playing a video game, putting it on YouTube. Anyone can do it. And so the, it's totally flooded as well. And you don't see for everyone who has a who has a large audience on such a platform, you don't see how many other accounts there are who make content that's just as good and they try just as hard and nobody cares and they don't have any followers and don't make any money. Yeah. So another thing about this is that if you're getting paid to whatever post uh, or for for ad clicks on your on your YouTube channel or to post a picture with product placed yoga pants someone else is actually making a lot more money than you are otherwise exactly. they wouldn't pay you for this i remember listening to a podcast and that was actually a very interesting podcast about paid traffic which is called the art of paid traffic um and they were talking about instagram and this one guy is telling like oh i had the option between paying 50 dollars for one post that would be taken down after 48 hours so they would like delete the post or i could pay 90 dollars to stay on that instagram account and at that point he actually explodes laughing and he's like, so I think you can imagine the option I chose, right? He, he, he. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. so this, at this point, this guy is, is literally laughing with the, the, the Instagram account saying like, do you understand how crazy it is that I can buy all this exposure for 90 bucks? So for him, yeah. like traffic was not a problem, right? He, he would just like for 90 bucks be able to be in front of a huge audience. Exactly. So, and th this is part of why we're taking this whole forget traffic approaches, because it's much better to be on the other side of this equation. It's much better to build a business that allows you to be the person who buys these ads from the people desperately trying to build an audience than being one of the people desperately trying to build an audience. So th this kind of the, you know, build an Instagram audience or build a YouTube channel thing. This is an extreme example of what I would call the customer last approach. So you think about getting a customer at the very end. And again, let me give you a quick example of a YouTube channel. If, if you look at um, popular YouTube channels, what you'll usually see is that on the one hand, they make ad money, but at some point, the successful channels usually do some of their own stuff. They start selling t-shirts or posters or they ask people to support them on Patreon or something like that. So they usually start finding ways to make money apart from just the YouTube ad money. And this is really important. So if you look at the, the chronological order of this, right, they start out, they make all this content all the time. They ask people to like and subscribe all the time. They build their audience usually over years. And at some point they're like, okay, I'm making some money here, but not enough. And now I have to think of how can I get, how can I think about turning these people into customers? And they add some kind of a product thing. So that's the last thing that they think of. 
Do you think that maybe like the whole uh, Silicon Valley approach might be also a part of that? Because we've seen these products like WhatsApp or um, even Instagram or whatever. They are like free apps building up audience, building up traffic and then in the hope that they will get bought up, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's that's another that's actually a good point. Yeah, that, that's a, the whole Silicon Valley uh, IPO thing, right? You want to get bought, you want to go public um, and you want to have like a huge public offering or something like that, where it's all about audience size and growth, right? As long as mm -hmm. you're growing rapidly, you're valuable. <laughs> your business is valuable. You've not made a cent. You're, you're billions in debt. It's fine. It's fine. You're growing quickly. So so it's valuable. Again, that's and this actually brings us to another thing. I've talked about this before is avoid being in a superstar business. So if you're an Instagram or YouTube, something like that, you have to be a superstar. You have to be one of the very, very few, much less than 1%, much less than 1% of people on these platforms that are the superstars that are making good money. And everybody else is poor, basically, right? <laughs> and the, the whole Silicon Valley approach is the same thing. Right? You either manage to take off and you become the next Facebook and you make billions of dollars or you just die in obscurity. And this is not a good position to be in. You want to build a business where you can be in the middle ground and you're fine. You're making good money in the middle ground. There are many, many businesses like that. In fact, most are like that. It's just not the ones that you hear a lot of media noise about. So maybe a more typical example for people who are listening to this podcast, you're probably not trying to be a famous Instagrammer or YouTuber, but you're actually making a similar mistake, I bet. Because tell me if this approach seems familiar, right? You, you start your business, you build a website, you put a blog on that website and you start doing content marketing. You start creating content around relevant topics, around questions people might be asking, around keywords that you've researched. You start doing social media marketing. You post on Twitter, you post on Facebook, you post wherever, you follow and unfollow, you do all this stuff, right? To try and build an audience, to try and get people to your website so that then at some point, you maybe add an opt-in offer to your website, right? So that some people can convert on that opt-in offer, they can become your email subscribers, which is great. Now you can get them to come back, right? You can build some momentum with your audience. And then at some point, maybe you already have, or maybe you plan to create some kind of a product. Maybe you want to create an information product or a membership or something. But again, it's a customer last approach because you're thinking, I'm going to build my website. I'm going to do social media marketing. I'm going to do content marketing. I'm going to do this and that and the other SEO keywords, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point, I'm going to have an audience to which I'm going to sell a product. This too is a customer last approach. Well, you know that like my marketer side is really struggling not to <laughs> scream right now <laughs> and not to be like, yes, this is important. You have to do this because I think the, the most important thing here is to say that, yes, all of these things will be important at some point, but there is one thing you need to do first, like before starting to do all of this, right? Yeah. So let's continue on this example to to I think get to one of the key points here what will happen if you do this and if you've done this you will know this is true what will happen is when you start and you do your content marketing and all this then 
you start to get some idea of what works and what doesn't, right? Some topics, you get more comments, you get more shares, you get more traffic, others you don't. So you start to get a better idea of, of what kind of content to create. And then when you create an opt-in offer, most people won't opt in for it, right? Most people won't opt in for it. So again, you learn something about, okay, some people are interested in this, most people aren't. Once you have people on your email list, if you are smart, then you find a way to communicate with these people, to get feedback from them in the form of comments or having them fill out surveys or whatever. So you get some more information from this audience. And once again, you'll see, you'll get a, a clearer idea of what are these people actually interested in? What do they actually need? What do they actually want? And finally, when you start selling a product, inevitably when you start selling a product and it's about actually turning people into customers and asking for money in return, you will have many aha moments. You will have many moments where you see, oh, this is what people really want. This is what they really need. This is what I've been missing this whole time. These aha moments come inevitably if you sell, if you sell something and you pay close attention. Of course, you can sell something and be oblivious to this, but if you pay close attention and give people opportunities to communicate back to you, then you will have many aha moments. And these insights, the insights that you get from customers and from people who are almost customers, but then don't become customers for some specific reason, these are the deepest, richest, most valuable insights. And what I'm saying is get those insights first because it saves you so much time and it saves you so much effort. If you get those insights first, then you can make a better product to begin with. You can make a better opt-in offer that will convert more people and more of the right people who will become future customers. And you can create better content, a better website, better messages, better sales material, better marketing material that appeals to the right people, answers the right questions and so on. So that's why, and this is what I call the customer first approach. Get a customer first and get those deep insights first and build your entire other marketing stuff based on that. I think like if I can add for me, it's the example you just gave about building a website and starting to blog and then making an opt-in offer and hoping that way to find out what people actually want. and. For me, the big difference between the approach of having a product and creating content around that to attract customers to that product is the difference between blogging and content marketing. Yes. It's the difference between just putting content out there and hoping to please somebody with an entertaining read or creating content that is very specifically made to help you sell. And the way to create that kind of content is only if you're super clear on what you're selling in the first place. So you need that offer and those customers first to be able to know what to create at that point on your website, on your blog. Exactly. And now a couple of things. So maybe you're thinking, well, I'm seeing a bit of a chicken and egg problem here, right? Because how, how do I create a product when I have no customers and I don't have this information yet and I don't have an audience. So how do I create a product and how do I sell it to anyone? Well, we're going to talk about that in, in just a second. But let me also mention two other things. The first is think about having this experience from the customer side, because I'm sure you've experienced this. I'm sure that at some point you've done some research, maybe on some topic or tried to find a solution to a problem and you come across a piece of content and it just exactly answers your question. 
And then maybe there's an opt-in offer there that is just irresistible. It's just exactly what you've been looking for. So you opt in and then maybe you get a couple of emails and, and they're just on point. They talk exactly to your problem. It's exactly what you needed to know. And then there's this product or this service and you sign up for it. And the whole thing seems just effortless and inevitable, right? At no point do you feel like, Bleh, this bloody, they're spamming my inbox with this nonsense or anything like that, right? It just flows. It's You discover this solution and step-by-step, step, you kind of just slip down this funnel and in the end, you're a customer and you're, and you're happy to be a customer because this thing is exactly what you needed. Well, that is what you're trying to create. And that only happens, you know, this kind of seamless, effortless funnel only happens based on the insights you get if you go for customers first. And it's great when that happens. I hope that, you know, if that happens to you, pay close attention to what's, you know, how this feels and how and what's happening. It's great when you come across a great marketing funnel, when you come across someone else's great marketing campaign. It's such good learning opportunity. I know you're a huge fan of, of learning this way as well. <laughs> you mean I buy a lot of stuff online or? <laughs> well, I presumably <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think it's 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 one of the of the very good ways to learn is is seeing when you yourself you get triggered by this kind of things right like yeah. when do you click on an ad when do you buy a product why did you buy that product and not the one from the competition because many times when when we're selling something like we kind of forget what it is to be a customer mm -hmm. which which is weird <laughs> But yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. And like you said, it's also you're happy with that product in the end because it's actually like solving a real problem for you. And I had this very example with an analytics course because I was trying to learn more about Google Analytics and something very specific about Google Analytics. And so I arrived on a website that talked about in a blog post about this very specific thing. And the next thing they offered me was like, well, do you want to learn more? You can take the full course. And it didn't even take me 30 minutes to think about it. It was exactly what I needed. But that content could not have been created without knowing what the full course was, right? And without knowing the problem that the people had that would actually buy that online course. Exactly. So that's that's one of these things where, you know, if you use the customer first approach, all of your content, all of your marketing and everything else you do can just be so laser focused on getting the right people's attention and leading them down this funnel that it just ends up saving you a lot of time. Now, one more thing I wanted to quickly mention is if you're listening to this and you're kind of skeptical and you think, well, what if I, I don't want to sell a product like, you know, maybe you're an affiliate marketer, you want to kind of passive income, just make money through ad clicks. See, I think that's still possible. In fact, I know that's still possible, but it, you have to be aware that this kind of business model where you don't sell something is usually a very long, very slow grind to get anywhere with that. And it's something we can talk about. We probably will talk about in future episodes, but our main emphasis is always on building a product or service-based business where you sell something directly to people because it's a shortcut it's a shortcut in so, so many ways. So let's start talking about, well, how, how do you do this, right? Like the, this chicken and egg problem, like how do you get a customer first? And, and you can literally get a customer first before you even have a product to sell. So how the hell does that work? Well, here's an example. An example of this comes from Eric Ries, the author of The Lean Startup. 
And it's what he calls the concierge MVP. So a minimum viable product, the concierge minimum viable product. So an example that he gives is where a business um, has this, they create a website with their offer and it's a fairly simple website at first with their offer where it's like um, an analytics platform with AI, right? So you uh, plug your Google Analytics into this platform and it analyzes your data and every day it gives you intelligent, actionable insights. Um, so an AI creates these insights for you. So it's, it's basically like, instead of having to look at the data yourself and figure out what's going on and what you should do, this platform will give you the information about what you should do, right, based on the data. And so you can sign up for this. Um, it's a monthly fee and you will get these, these insights in your dashboard. What you don't realize is that there is no AI. It's actually just a room full of people with uh, Excel spreadsheets, right? <laughs> and they, they literally look at your data and try to figure out, you know, what's some intelligible advice we can give based on this. And, they, and then they put this out and they make it look in your dashboard um, like it was automatically generated. And this is happening right now, actually, it's happening a lot. There are a lot of AI businesses, right, where you get an AI for something or other. That's not an AI at all. And what they're doing is instead of building an AI, which is, you know, as you can imagine, not an easy task, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of building an AI first, they get the customers first. Because if they get to a point where it's like, okay, there's enough people willing to give us enough money that we now have some, we have some money to build an AI with, right? So, and the other important thing about doing this with humans first is that, so you have a room full of people with Excel spreadsheets and you get people to sign up for this service and you can then get information from those people about what they actually want. And it's much easier to tell a room full of people, okay, guys, people aren't interested in this kind of thing that we've been sending them. They want to know more about this other kind of thing. And then everybody does different calculations. Everybody does things differently. That's much easier to do than to reprogram your AI to do something else, right? So this is an example of how to get customers first, right? You make an offer and you get people to pay you for that thing, even though your product doesn't exist yet. You gather information about exactly what people want and you do it manually, right? You do, you do whatever the work is, you do it manually until you have enough information and enough proof that people are willing to pay for this and then you build the product. That is, I think, a pretty badass example of what we're talking about. <laughs> so instead of like using robots to replace people, we actually use people to replace robots, basically. Something like that, yes. <laughs> In the beginning, at least. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think there was one thing that you said that that's pretty interesting and it's the you have to do it manually in the beginning because it's one of those things that I've heard before. I think it's Remit Sethi who at one point also says do things that don't scale yep. because when you're in the beginning of your business, you actually can do things that don't scale and you don't have to worry yet about how would this scale, like how am I going to be able to scale this because you're not at that point yet you're still at a point where you can actually manually send an email to every uh, possible customer or get on the phone with them yourself before having to think about, okay, how can I actually scale this whole process so that it's automatic without my influence, right? Yeah. And there are some fairly famous examples of businesses that have done this. Um, one of them is Groupon. So famously, Groupon started out with like a very simple WordPress blog with the default WordPress theme. 
and they just post everything they did was manual, right? They posted the stuff manually. They collected people's email addresses manually in spreadsheets, sent out the offers to the companies that made the group deals and so on. Everything manual before they built the whole platform and before it then scaled, right? And another example is Zappos. I was just going to ask, did you know Zappos? Because <laughs> they were pretty amazing. Exactly, like when yeah. I read about that, I was really scotched because it's like instead of building this e-commerce platform, so Zappos sells shoes online, right? Instead of building this e-commerce platform, they didn't know yet if people were actually willing to buy shoes online. So they would go to the local shops, take a picture of the shoes, put that on a website. And the moment somebody bought the shoe, they would actually go back into the local store, buy that pair and ship it to the customer yeah. on their website. <laughs> like They would have no margin in the beginning and then nothing was automated. They didn't have an e-commerce website or whatever. They just wanted mm -hmm. to see if people were actually willing to buy shoes online without, like, without testing them on first, right? Yeah. And it's... It's yeah, they, they were actually able to to validate this first idea before investing years and, and, and having Facebook and whatever it didn't even exist at that point, I think. But <laughs> yeah, I also think a good point here is like these guys were also running a non profitable business, right? They were not making money on these shoe sales. But there's an important difference between the kind of Silicon Valley type um, approach where you're also not making money, but you're just trying to build and scale and so on. And you're like, well, I guess at some point we'll figure out how to make money. There's a big difference between that and what Zappos did, where even though they didn't make money on those shoe sales, they were still selling something. So it was very clear how they were going to turn this into a profitable business, right? Because the moment this is a proven system, we build an actual e-commerce store, we buy these shoes directly instead of in a shoe shop, right? And that's where our profit margin will come from. So I think that's also very important, right? It is okay initially to do stuff uh, that also, you know, initially doesn't work in terms of being a profitable business, as long as it's basically based on selling something and not just on the hope of maybe in the future we can sell something. Yeah, I think that there was another example like this, um, which started out as a service and was then created more like software-like. So the company would do the accounting for entrepreneurs as a service and do it pretty cheaply because the whole idea behind it was to make a software that would be capable of doing the accounting. But in the beginning, they didn't have the software worked out yet and they didn't know the exact problems that entrepreneurs would have. And so they started out with doing it all manually and then created the software after. I would say that the most bootstrappy and simplest, most solopreneur-friendly approach to customer first is to do coaching okay you can do coaching and coaching is a great thing that can translate into a future information product a book online course perhaps even software kind of stuff in the future as an example this is something that i did many years ago is that i would simply get on coaching calls with people about productivity and procrastination. So I'd get on, on calls with people who had problems with procrastinating too much and wanted to become more productive. And I would have a conversation with them and help them out on a call one-on-one. -on -one. Based on the information I got off of these calls, I then built an information product about productivity. 
And as you can imagine, this could also be further developed maybe into some kind of a productivity app. But a coaching call is something that you can do with without a team, without any infrastructure, without anything. If you've got a microphone and a Skype account, you can do coaching calls. I think that's one of the um, yeah one of the lowest barriers of entry to doing product first. Now these are some examples of how you can do this. And in the next episode, we're going to talk in more detail. We're going to go into much more detail and give you examples of how to do customer first. For this episode, the main idea is to change your mind. So to summarize, this traffic first approach really is a customer last approach. And it's very common. It's very common for people to focus on traffic before anything else. And while it can work, right, because there are people who are making money on YouTube or on Instagram or with authority sites and ad clicks, it can work. It's a very slow, long grind. And it means that you will make many mistakes very slowly and gain realizations about how to do things right very late in the process. And what we're saying is get your first customer first and completely forget about trying to get more traffic. With the customer first approach, you never have to worry about traffic because your your business will grow in a completely different way and traffic will kind of just come as a side effect. One of the reasons we want to do this and one of the reasons we encourage you to do this is because you want to get those aha moment insights that you get from interacting with customers as soon as possible. That is the idea of the customer first approach and that is how you can make traffic and needing more traffic and wanting more traffic a problem of the past in your business. So right now, what we'd love to hear from you is your thoughts on this. Have you made, you know, do you have an experience with either of these approaches? Have you maybe struggled with the kind of traffic first approach for a long time? Have you gained some insights from talking to customers or interacting with customers? Tell us your stories and also tell us what kind of questions you have so that we can answer them and address them in future episodes. All right, so that was our first episode and here's just a couple of footnotes. So first of all, as I mentioned at the beginning, you can go to activegrowth.com forward slash one to get the show notes and links to various things. And we also put together a PDF checklist for you that kind of asks the right questions or helps you to ask the right questions to point your business in the right direction and implement this shortcut past all of the you know tedious long-term business building audience building blah 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 before you actually get to the insights that will help you build a strong business so we've put together a checklist for you that you can download at activegrowth.com forward slash one we mentioned the lean startup which is a book worth reading by eric reese there's also a link where you can read more about the story of Zappos. And also Hannah mentioned at one point things that don't scale, which has become quite a buzzing phrase in the startup community over the last years. And I think I found the source of it. The source seems to come from Paul Graham and a link to that as well. So you can kind of get the story straight from the horse's mouth. So all of that and more is at activegrowth.com forward slash one. Thank you very much for spending your time with us. And we're looking forward to hear from you on that page.